You're listening to Talk Talk. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to visit a cultural exhibition. There were all sorts of interesting exhibits ranging from artwork to the local food. And of course, there were also rooms filled with religious objects, handicrafts, clothing, and so on. I also remember some very nice photographs of the landscape that were on display. Now, what country was that? Well, for the purpose of this episode, I think the country is of no real importance. But what is more important is, is that we were a small group of approximately 10 visitors and we had one tour guide for the museum. Now, one of the exhibits was particularly interesting. Carefully protected by a glass box so that none of us visitors were able to touch it. There was a very strange and curious looking contraption made of wood and colorful string and cloth. It was about a meter tall. And I remember that it was a bit difficult to describe its appearance. In any case, it looked kind of delicate with all the string and the wood sticks. And no wonder that they put it behind protective glass, because otherwise it probably, I don't know, it would have collapsed maybe. At least it looked like that. In any case, the function of this device was really not clear to me at all. I mean, if you look at a pot, then you know that it's used to store food. Or if you look at a statue, you probably would guess that it would serve a decorative or religious function. But this strange device was really a bit different than all the other exhibits. I have to admit that it did not really look particularly beautiful either. But it was certainly made with great skill and delicacy. I bent over it and carefully inspected it. And I'm quite certain that whoever made this, in my eyes, strange-looking thing, had absolutely no idea that it would one day end up inside a museum. Well, but that's a different story. In any case, our museum guide directed our attention to this exhibit and resolved the mystery. She explained to us that we are actually looking at an original ghost trap. Now, when I heard the word ghost trap... I said to myself, a what? I've heard of all sorts of objects that were designed to chase evil spirits away, but for me it was the first time that I heard that evidently there were even traps made for them. The museum guide explained explained to us that the natives used to place these ghost traps in the landscape, and when a spirit would float by and accidentally touch one of these ghost traps, then it would entangle itself in the string and the wood sticks and it would not get loose. The people would then collect the traps, they would burn them. In their view, this was a very effective method of removing evil spirits and preventing them from doing harm to the people. And now the story started to become interesting. I realized that a few other people of the group started to smile. But it was not a friendly type of smile, rather it was an arrogant, a condescending type of smile. It was a, well, what a stupid idea trying to catch ghosts type of smile. Maybe I could even identify a bit of a, how do you say, a cultural arrogance inside the smile. And I have to admit to you that this made me a bit angry. Well, I was not the only one who recognized this, also our tour guide realized that some of the group members were making fun of the ghost trap and that they were mocking it. She immediately picked up the issue and explained us the deeper meaning of it all. And this is where the TOK part starts, the theory of knowledge part. 
She told us that the ghost traps were used by the people because, quote, the system of ghost traps worked for them, end quote. The system worked. The ghost traps were useful and they did their job. Now, if you believe in ghosts and you want to get rid of them, then you have to set up ghost traps to catch the ghosts. The system has its logics and it makes sense. Whether evil ghosts really exist or not is an entirely different issue and is not the point here. The traps allow the people to control the invisible, to control the supernatural. The ghost traps did their job and they fulfilled their function. After all, the ghost traps played an important role in the lives of the people. The existence of ghosts was accepted and as a given and it was not questioned. Okay, now let's change the topic a little bit, but not very, not really very much. I think that many of you are in the possession of a wristwatch and to keep time. After all, you have to make sure that you are able to keep your appointments and that you are not late for class and that you do not miss your bus and so on. A wristwatch is a very useful device which allows us to organize our lives. The wristwatches do their job for us. Now, if you believe that time exists, and that you can split up time into hours, minutes, and seconds. Then you can use a watch to keep track of time. The system of watches has its logics, and it does make sense. Whether you really believe that time exists or not, well, that's again a different issue. And of course, some people say time really does not exist, but time is simply a product of our mind. Well, does this sound familiar? We see that ghost traps and clocks or wristwatches are really not that different. Both of them were invented to serve a purpose. And now this concept is called pragmatism. It's the so-called pragmatic theory of truth. True is that what is most useful. Ghost traps are very useful and they work. Whether ghosts exist or not. Wristwatches are very useful, and they work, whether time exists or not. And if you want to be very original about it, then you can even say that you're not wearing a wristwatch on your arm, but a little time trap to catch time. You can listen to more episodes at www.toktalk.net. That's www. .toktalk.net My name is Oliver Kim and I wish you a nice day.